If you're visiting with us today, we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace called Get a Grip, where we're looking at a, a number of things that we need to get a grip on if we're going to have the, the life that God wants us to have or live the life that God wants us to live. The great apostle Paul penned these words in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, I urge you, and that's us, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 2,000 years ago, this great uh, brother of ours penned those words. Those were God's words to us. God, through the voice of Paul, is urging us to live a life worthy of our calling. And I want you to think about this. When you became an employee at the place that you work at, for those of you that are employees, at the very moment you took the job, you, you obligated yourself to work according to the rules that the owner of that business established. You have to be at work at a certain time. You're off at a certain time. You get a half an hour for lunch or an hour for lunch. There are certain types of clothing you're allowed to wear, certain types of clothing you're not allowed to wear. Once you said, hey, I'd like to be an employee here, and they accepted you, they may have given you an actual uniform that you have to wear or whatever. whatever. In other words, there are standards that you have to abide by when you become an employee at some business. If you're a citizen of the United States of America, there are certain laws that, that you have to live by here. If you want to be a citizen here, there, you can go to another country and there are different laws there. I'm not obligated to live by the laws of another country. I'm a citizen here, and so there are laws that say, you know, Rick, you're going to be an American citizen. Here, here's how you have to, to live. My, my son joined a, a baseball team, and the coach of that team has some rules. He has some standards, uh, objectives that, that my son has to adopt if he wants to be on that team. That makes sense, right, for those of you that played athletics? You join the team, and the coach may want you to you know, wear certain things when you're practicing, keep your shirt tucked in when you're practicing, all that, all that kind of stuff. Well, the same thing is true for those of you that are followers of Jesus. Jesus has a, a standard that he wants us to live by. There are rules, if you will. There are commandments that he has laid out for us to, to live by. And here the great apostle Paul saying, I, I, I'm urging you to, to live according to those standards, according to those commands, whatever they might be. In other words, when you become a Christian, when you bear the name of Christ, it's like going to work somewhere. You're obligating yourself to, to a certain standard, to a certain code of conduct, if you will, or, or whatever. And this series has, has been about getting a grip on those things that, that get in the way of us living out that calling that Jesus has in our lives. There are things that invade our lives or our families that that if we don't have a grip on them, they're really going to goof us up, and we're not going to have the life that God wants us to live. We're not going to live out that life that, that God has for us. Today, we're going we're to talk about change. 
getting a, a, a grip on change because if you don't know how to handle change, you, you're in trouble. You're in, you're in big trouble because life is full of changes. Change is a, a part of life, a, a big part of life. It's inevitable. Everything changes except God. Now, one of the areas where big-time change happens is in your marriage. I want you to think about this. First, you go through the honeymoon stage, right? That's an unbelievable stage. Man, that's just like no other stage of life. Then you have kind of the, the childish, you know, uh, childless couple stage. You got, you got no children in, in the home. Then things change. Then all of a sudden, you have that first child. You had everything going just the way you liked it. You got home, you know, after work. You had a little dinner. Sat down maybe and going to watch a little TV. Everything was great. Until that first child came along, right? <laughs> everything changed. All of a sudden, you were buying diapers and wet wipes and shimalak. And, oh, man, it's like, what, what happened? Unbelievable. Then you got the raising your, 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 your children stage. You see, it's one thing for them just to be a little baby. Then things change. Now all of a sudden they're walking around. They can cry, you know, crawl out of the crib. And then there's another change. They, they go to school. And uh, that, boy, that, 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 I remember when all three of my kids went to school for the first time. That was brutal for me. I loved them. and Man, you're just kind of watching them walk off, and then all of a sudden they get to another stage, another change happens. Man, I used to give all my kids a kiss, you know, have a good day at school, you know, and then all of a sudden it's, hey, uh, hey, dad, hey, uh, just drop me off, I'm fine. What? I need to walk you up to the thing and give you a kiss. No, nah, it's all right, I'm good. You can just kiss me right here in the car and then just drive off, okay, just quickly drive. It's like, What? Then all of a sudden things change and they become teenagers. Wow. This is a stage you think will never end. <laughs> then you got, I don't know, the college years. Then you have a, a, a huge change and that's the em empty nester kind of stage. In fact, what's interesting is um, when this change happens, a lot of marriages fall apart. Because all of a sudden, for 16 or 18 or however many years it is, you've been raising your children, and there they are, and now they're married, and they're off at college, and you turn and look at your spouse and go, who are you? <laughs> do, do, do we know each other? You put all this juice into your kids, and things changed all of a sudden. Then you got the retirement stage. Boy, that's a big change. Spent 30, 40 years doing something. And then there comes a moment when you walk out the door and you're not going to do that ever again. Wow. Your job changes, your, your income changes, your, your health changes, everything changes. Change is a big deal. And if you don't have a, a grip on it, I want you to know you're in trouble. You're, you're in big trouble. I've done this for 30 years here, over 30 years here at Big Valley Grace. 
And a lot of all the stuff that some of you deal with, some of you are dealing with it right now, your marriages, your individual lives, is all because you didn't have a grip on change. So what's the the secret of, of coping with change? Well, the great apostle Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4. He said, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances may be. And then he rattles off a few things. He says, I I, I used to have a whole lot. And then things changed and I didn't have anything. And then things changed and man, I was in, you know, plenty again. And then things changed and I didn't have anything again. And then he says in verse 13, I'm ready for anything through the strength of Christ who lives in me. Now as I read this over and over and over and over again this past week, and I I want you to know I read that over and over again. I read it in so many different versions. Just reading these two incredible passages, really, it's uh, verse 11 and 13. I saw three attitudes that you and I need to have if we're going to be able to cope with the changes that that are going to happen in our lives. And if you're young, you need to listen up because change will happen. If you're old, you need to listen up because change will happen. And for those of you that are married, you need to really pay attention because there's lots of changes that happen within your marriage. And I hope these three things are a blessing to you. The, the, the first one is this. You, you need to be content. The Bible says right here, I've, I've learned to be content. Whatever the, whatever the circumstances, I've learned to be content, Paul says. And this is all about being okay with what you have right now or being okay with, you know, in, in, in the present. In other words, it's the, the, this is all about the, the here and now, Paul's saying. I've learned to be content right here, right now. Whether I got a whole bunch of dough, a whole bunch of money, I got a beautiful home to live in, and all kinds of cars, and extra money to go on vacations, and all that, I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I, I'm content with I've also I, I'm also content with the fact that I'm in prison, and I don't have a nickel to my name. No one's coming to visit me. I don't, I, I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. I don't have anything. I'm okay with that too. See, being content is all about the here and now, right now, this moment. It's about the, 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 the present. You see, too many people live in the future. Too many Christians live in the future. You know, when I get a better job, then I'll be happy. When I get a bigger home, then I'll be happy. In other words, I'm not okay with what I got now, right now, right this second, right now, Saturday night. Not content with that. It's when I get the bigger home, that's when I'm going to be happy. When I get the better job, that's when I'll be happy. If I can just make a hundred bucks more in my paycheck, then I'll be happy. If I can just, you know, have children, that, that's when I'll be happy. That's when my marriage will turn around. I, I'm not content now. It's not until I have children. That's when I'll be happy. Or, w- 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 you know, when the, when the kids leave for college, 
then you and I, honey, husband, wife, that's when we'll really pour our, our juices into each other. And we'll be happy. You see, too many people aren't okay with where God has them today. They're not okay with it. So they look to someday in the future, hoping that their circumstances will, will, will change. Beloved, what if your circumstances don't change? <laughs> what if you don't get a better job? Uh-oh. Well, what, if you, what if you don't get a bigger house? Uh-oh. What if in God's sovereignty, you don't get a child? Uh-oh. I'll tell you, I will really be happy once, you know, I, I, I get married and I find the right guy or the right gal. What, what if no right guy or right gal comes along? Listen. If you're a follower of Jesus, your, your circumstances should never dictate your happiness. Never. Never. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. What? And just in case you didn't get it, I say it again. Rejoice. One version says, May you always be joyful in your union with the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. In other words, here's, here's God's command to us. This isn't like, hey, here's a good idea. Why don't you, why don't you be happy about the fact that I loved you so much that, that, that I sent my son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, to come and die for you, and then he rose from the grave for you, and then, and then and when he came into your life, I forgave you of all your sins, and, and I adopted you as one of my children, and you're going to be an heir to everything that I have, and someday you're going to spend your eternity up in heaven. Um, why don't you let that fill your mind? Instead, about, instead of, well, did I get the bigger house, or did I get the bigger car, or did I get the right boyfriend or girlfriend, or did I get another child, You see, one of the big reasons why you can't be joyful in your union with Christ is because you're not okay with the here and now. You're looking at your circumstances. And if I can just, if I can just get there, then I'll be okay because where I'm at isn't good enough. Beloved, the only way you'll ever be able to live out this command to always be joyful is you have to learn to be content with where you are today. And you have to learn it. Because it doesn't come natural to us as human beings. It doesn't. Since the fall, you go back to Genesis chapter 3, and since that moment in Genesis 3 where, where Adam decided to blow off God, it just doesn't come natural. Being content doesn't come natural to us. Being okay with where we're at just doesn't come natural. And so it is something that we have to learn. And this side of heaven, we're always learning it. 
If you want to get a grip on change, it begins with learning to be content where you're at today because if you're not content where you're at today, your life's just going to be miserable. Which means if you're married to somebody, your marriage is going to be miserable, isn't it? A lot of marriages end because one spouse isn't content. They're always looking to something out there. And if I can just get there, then I'll really be a a joyful spouse. I'll be a spouse that you want to come home to. You see, nobody wants to come home to a spouse that's not content. Nobody wants to come home to a spouse that's always looking for something over there. Uh, Number two. You, you need to be flexible, okay? At least that's the term I put on it. Paul, Paul says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And then he says, I am ready for anything. I'm ready for anything. Beloved, if you don't learn how to adapt to, to, to change or be flexible, I want you to know your, your, your life's going to be in trouble. Your marriage is, is going to be in, in trouble. One of the most uh, common complaints I hear is something like this. Pastor Rick, my my spouse isn't the person that I married. (laughs) And I always say, well, of course you're not. And neither are you. Go look in a mirror. You're not the person your spouse married. And the reason neither of you are the same is because we're always changing. We're always growing. We're developing. And we're always deteriorating. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 3 again. At the very moment Adam blew off God, it brought sin into the world. And sin brought death. And so, when I started here 30 years ago, my hair was a different color. <laughs> I didn't wear glasses. I, 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 I was like a hawk. I, I, could, I, could, I could see anybody up there doing anything. Now, I, I, you're all just a just a fuzzy blur to me right now. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Oh, there you are. I, I'm, I'm falling apart. I gotta, I gotta take anti-inflammatory pills now. Not because I'm doing anything. It's just like walking from point A to point B. My knees get all swollen up. Hey, give me the anti-inflammatories, honey. Well, I'm good. I'm good. It's like I got a dog at my house. His name is uh, Rocco. And we've had him for a lot of years. And uh, he takes all these pills in the morning. <laughs> and there are times when I'm giving him the pills and I'm looking at him. He's cataract in one eye, one leg's dragging. He can't even hardly lose, tumors all over him, you know. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, man, you and I, I'm with you. <laughs> Unbelievable. We change emotionally as time goes on. We change intellectually, don't we? Sometimes you get married when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, and you grow. You, intellectually, you're changing. We change spiritually in our commitments, don't we? And certainly, we change physically. Change is inevitable. So I want you to make the commitment to love your spouse for the rest of your life, no matter what changes may come. 
I've personally committed my life to loving my wife Erin for as long as I live, no matter what happens, no matter what changes take place in her life. See, she's changing. And I'm changing. And if you're not flexible, if you can't adapt, I want you to know you're just, you're just in trouble. If you want to survive change, you've got to learn to be content. You've got to be flexible. Because if you're stiff and unwavering, I just guarantee you that your life's going to be a mess. And that your marriage is going to be a mess too. And I'm not talking about being flexible with theological issues, you know, biblical issues. I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm talking about. It's just the, the, the life changes that will go on. I want you to think about it, man. You, you, you get married and everything's going great. You've got a nice little routine going on, you know, you, you've got your schedule all thought out, you know, you, you go to work, you come home, you have some dinner, you go to church, you have a, a, a date night, and, and then all of a sudden a baby comes along. <laughs> you better be flexible. All of a sudden your little schedule isn't going to work out all that well. Uh, uh, Crystal, who was singing here tonight, you haven't seen her sing in a while, and uh, big changes have happened in their life. They're in my small group, and her and her husband, TJ, they have some children, but then they, they, they adopted a child. And that child really loves mommy, really feels really comfortable with mom, the child that they adopted. And so, you know, it was hard for her to come down and sing because this little adopted child wanted to be around mom. Not, not that, you know, dad didn't matter, but for whatever reason, this child just really kind of grew close to Crystal. Well, guess what? They, they had to be flexible. Why? She, she couldn't be here. We had to be flexible. She, she couldn't be here. Tonight she was here because all of a sudden this little baby is getting used to dad. Everything's okay, so she can kind of get back to a, a different kind of a schedule, you see. If you're not flexible, you're, 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 in, you're in trouble. Uh, number three, you need to trust in God's power, Okay? And this is the key. You need to say, I'm trusting that, that Jesus is going to help me deal with the changes that I know are going to take place in my life. I'm trusting that Jesus is, is going to give me the power that I need for the changes that are going to happen in my spouse, the changes that are going to happen in our marriages, the changes that are going to happen in my employment, the changes that are going to happen in my business, See, you have to learn to be content with whatever God has for you today. Then you have to be flexible because not everything's going to go the way that you want it to go. And then you have to trust in God's power. You have to tap into God's power that's within you. Listen to what Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. For those of us who believe, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God in, hev in the heavenly realms. Paul's prayer, and I think if he was alive today, this would be his prayer for us. These people, I don't think, really understood the 
power that was within them when they invited Jesus to come into their life. They didn't understand the, 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 the power that was within them. And Paul's saying, I want you to understand this power. In fact, this power was so amazing, it, it raised Jesus from the dead. You could take all the nuclear power plants in the world, and if you could focus all of that energy into one beam of light and shoot that power of all those nuclear power plants onto a dead corpse, nothing would happen. All of that power could not raise somebody from the dead. But God's power can. And that power, Christian, lives within you, you see. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 1, nothing is impossible with God. And the reason nothing is impossible with God is because God is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants. The prophet Jeremiah said, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing. Beloved, God has unlimited power. There's nothing that's too hard or too difficult for him to pull off. Psalms 147 says, God counts the stars and calls them all by name. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. Job said, I know that you, that's God, can do anything. And no one can stop you. And Job's right. God can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, because he's all-powerful. Nothing is impossible for him. And here's the kicker. I said it a moment ago. God lives inside of you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within you? And here's the issue. Some of you don't know that. Or certainly you don't live like you know that. Beloved, if you've given your life over to Jesus, he actually lives within you, which means God's power lives in you. The very power that raised Jesus from the dead. And, and you need that power, by the way, to be content sometimes. You, you need that power to be flexible sometimes. Some of you grew up in homes where, you know, your dad wasn't very flexible. Your mom wasn't very flexible. And so you're just not very flexible. You need that power to learn to be flexible. You need that power to be content with whatever it is that God has, you know, for you today. Wherever you're at today. If you're not content, that means you are not tapping into God's power. Because when you understand that power and you tap into that power, wow, change your life, change your marriage, changes everything. So the way to get a, a grip on change is number one, you have to learn to be content. Number two, you, you have to be flexible. And number three, you have to tap into God's power within you. God just, you know, when, when you gave your life to Jesus, he didn't come into your life and say, well, good luck. Go for it. Uh -uh. 
He said, I want you to know, I will be with you always. I'll be with you. You're not going to go through this thing alone. You have my power within you. Look, look, look. when you leave here in just a little bit, um, God's Holy Spirit doesn't float around in this room, around the pulpit, and just wait for you to show up next Saturday night. Oh, good, here you are. The Bible says that God doesn't, indwell, doesn't live in a, a building made with man's hands. He, he doesn't live inside this thing. It's a nice tool. I think God ought to have a nice tool like this. Just a tool. It's all a building is, is a tool. You are where God lives, Christian. You. Inside you. You. And so it could be that you're just not tapped into that power source and you need to do whatever it is you need to do to get through the bedrock so you can get to that power source. Because that power source is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And unfortunately, I think most, most Christians in America, especially, we, 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 don't, we don't tap into that power. Most Christians in this country, I think, are pretty much, I don't know, we got children in here. I won't say the word. Think about all the believers that live in this country or those that claim to know the Lord. I don't think we get it. I don't think we really understand the power that we have within us. And that's why Paul said, you know what, I, I can do all things through countrymen's preaching. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I can do all things because, man, i got a fantastic small group. He said, I can do all things because of Christ's power that's in me. That's in me. Now, I want to just shift gears for the last few minutes here. And I want to share with you a couple things that will never change, okay? These are permanent things. Everything else may shift around you, and while all that's happening, you know, hang, hang on to these three things here. Number one, God will never change. I shared that earlier. Malachi chapter 3 says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. I am the Lord, and I do not change. James chapter 1, whatever's good and perfect comes down from us, from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Hebrews chapter 13 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Beloved, God doesn't change. He doesn't mutate from being one kind of God to being another kind of God to being another kind of God, okay? He never changes, which is important because whatever he says about himself, you can trust. You can take it to the bank. He remains the same forever and ever and ever. And this is the, the basis for our hope, the fact that God never changes. I mean, think about it. If God could change, how, how could you know for sure that what you read in the Bible was true? If, if God could change, then, then, then this could change. And how, how, how could you put your trust in a God who at one moment says, I love you, and then the next moment says, I don't?
Number two, God's word. The Bible doesn't change. It kind of leads into this one. God doesn't change, and neither does his word. That book that you're holding in your hand or the five you have at your house or whatever it might be, doesn't change. Isaiah, the great prophet, said, the, the grass dies and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord will remain forever. Psalms 33 says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Psalms 119 says, I have known from my earliest days that your laws will last forever. Matthew 24, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Beloved, the, the, the words of Scripture are God's words, and because God doesn't change, they don't change, so you can build your life on them. Just as your father could build his life on this book. Just like your grandfather could build his life on this book. Just like your great-great-grandfather could have built his life on this book. And dads, because God doesn't change and his word doesn't change, your children can build their life on this book. My future grandchildren, and I don't have any, but in the future, they can build their life on this book. It doesn't change. Now, every generation's got their problems with it. There's, there's a whole lot of people today who don't like this book. I get that. But that's been true of every generation. I, I didn't say every generation's going to like what's written in here. Some don't. But you can build your life on this. It's what I've chosen to do. I'm working real hard and praying real hard that my children would build their lives on this book. Someday when I have grandchildren, I'm hoping they'll build their life on this book. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, everyone who hears my words and obeys them as like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It rained hard, the floods came, and the winds blew and hit that house, but it did not fall because it was built on the rock. Beloved, Jesus wouldn't have said this if God could change. Because how could you build your life on his word if he could change? Or it could change? You see, the reason why Jesus said you can build your life on this, and if you build your life on this and, and you choose to say, you know what, I'm building my life on that right there. It doesn't matter what comes. Rains, winds, floods. That's a lot of change, isn't it? Doesn't matter. As long as you're built on that, as long as you're standing on that, you're all right. Oh, you know, you may blow out a window. You have to replace a door when the rains come and the winds come and all that. But your house will still be there. Everything will still be there. Doesn't mean your house is going to be perfect. You don't always go through some of the stuff that life throws at you perfectly. But when it's all said and done, if you're really living on this thing, wow, your house will still be there. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 says, All Scripture is inspired by God. The scriptures are useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize 
what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Beloved, if God could change, if his word could change, this passage would be pointless. It'd be, it wouldn't be useful for anything because God you know, could change. So how could he use it? Let me expose one of Satan's great tricks, okay? It was the first thing that Satan said to Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, it says this, One day the snake said to the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat fruit from any tree in the garden? Beloved, this is one of Satan's great strategies. He's getting Eve to question God. And Satan Satan still does that today, a lot. But he's added a new twist to that strategy. Okay? He now has people saying this. Well, that's your interpretation. He just added something to it. Well, that's your interpretation of it. And I hear that all the time. And the reason Satan had to go or morph to this strategy was because much of God's word is is black and white. So instead of saying, did God really say you you can't have sex out of marriage? It's pretty black and white. God's word says that. Satan simply has people thinking, well, uh, that's the pastor's interpretation. So you can keep going out and sinning. See, God's word's black and white, a lot of it. God says, don't have sex outside of marriage. It's clean. It's, you know, you know, the, the Christian journey isn't a, we're not building the space shuttle. It's a pretty simple thing. And so Satan can't say, well, did God really say that? Well, yes, yeah, right there over and over again. Well, uh, er, well, that's your interpretation. What do you mean it's my interpretation? Instead of saying, did God really say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? That's pretty black and white. We read that over and over again in Scripture, basically. Satan Satan simply has people thinking, well, that's your interpretation. Beloved, when you're driving down the road and you see a stop sign, how many ways is there in you know, to interpret that. <laughs> Does anybody ever think, oh, well, you know, you want me to stop? Well, that's your interpretation. <laughs> no, the stop sign means stop. There's only one interpretation. <laughs> God says, don't have sex outside of marriage. But Satan deceives a lot of Christians, a lot of people. Jesus is the only way you get to heaven. It's crystal clear. Just like that stop sign is crystal clear. Beloved, there are some absolutes in life. There are some things that will always be right and there are some things that will always be wrong. And because God doesn't change, his word doesn't change, which means every generation can build their life on this book. Every generation. 
Listen, you got to build your life on something, right? So why don't you know? Why don't you just build it on something that's stable and and permanent, something that's unchangeable? I see so many people that build their lives on some current fad or the current therapy or the current thing, you know, that that's in vogue or whatever, and it just breaks my heart because I know those things change. They change. I don't know. Oprah's going to be dead in a few years, and it'll be somebody else, and she'll have you know, and you just. Why don't you build your life on something that doesn't change? Psalms 18 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. God's word will always be the right thing to do. It may seem hard and it may seem unreasonable and unpopular, certainly at times, but it's always the right thing to do. And let me tell you something. That kind of simplifies life, doesn't it? I don't have to run around trying to figure out what everybody thinks. I don't care. All I care about is this. And if you don't like it, well, too bad. I won't lose any sleep over it. But I certainly don't want to offend God. And that's what too many believers do. I'd rather offend God and blow him off in his word than offend, you know, somebody else. Because I might hurt their feelings or something. They may not like me. They may not invite me to the next party or something, you know. I'll be called a hater. I mean, who wants to be called a hater? I don't. But I'm called it all the time. I go to bed. I just don't lose any sleep over it. I, I just, this simplifies my life. God never changes, his word never changes, and I'll end with this. Number three, God's love for you will never change. Never. Jeremiah chapter 31 says, and from far away the Lord appeared to his people and said, I love you people with a love that will last forever. Lamentations chapter three says, I have hope when I think of this, the Lord's love never ends. Never ends. That's something you can build your life on, isn't it? It's also something that I have to remind myself of all the time, that God loves me. I'm, I'm actually an object of God's love. <laughs> I know me. But it's kind of cool to think that I'm actually an object of God's love. what I'm talking about. That's why I can rejoice in the Lord always. God loves me. And that will never change. Never. And the reason I have to remind myself of this, this great truth, is because I've had people in my life who told me they loved me, and then there came a moment when they changed. They stopped loving me. And in some cases, they even told me they, they hated me. I was thinking back to when I was in high school. There was a gal. I loved her. We actually told each other we loved each other. A couple sophomores. We loved each other. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. No cell phones back in those days. This was old school. You know, you actually had to. Man, we, we had the names of our kids. 
Hey, we're going to have our kids, and these are going to be our kids' names. I love you. I love you. Hey, I love you. I love you. We loved each other. I mean, I want to talk about love. I know why they made that song, Love is a Many Splendid Thing. I was in love. Then one day, she dumped me. What, what, what happened to all that love stuff? What about our kids? Oh God, I don't even like you anymore. In fact, I'm going to go be with somebody else. What? Some of you, you got to a point where you walked down an aisle and you exchanged rings with somebody and you said, I do. And you loved and loved and loved. And your spouse one day said, I don't love you anymore. And they left. Something changed. And so what's really easy to do is think, well, God's like that. Yeah, he may love me now, Pastor, but I remember when I was a sophomore and had a girlfriend and she dumped me. Or I had a husband or a wife or two husbands or two wives or five husbands and five wives. I don't care what it is. And it didn't work out. Listen to me. God's not like that. He never changes. His word never changes. And his love for you will never change. There, there will never come a moment where he goes, that's it. Countrymen, I've had it with you. We're done. I'm breaking up. It won't happen. It just, it just won't happen. Romans chapter 8 says this, can anything separate us from the love of Christ has for us? Can troubles or problems or sufferings or, or hunger or nakedness or danger or, or violent death? As it is written in the scriptures, for you were in danger of death all the time. People think we are worth no more than sheep to be killed. But in all these things, we are completely victorious through God who showed his love for us. Yes, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor ruling spirits, nothing now, nothing in the future, no powers, nothing above us, nothing below us, nor anything else in the world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that includes your sin, Christian. There isn't any sin, Christian, that you can do where God will say, that's it. I'm done. Now, there are some churches and some preachers that will tell you that. They're wrong. They're, they're heretical. They're, they're, they're blasphemous. And if they were here, I'd poke them in the eye. I'd do, I'd do the three stooges. <laughs> because that's just really crummy. That is so evil that somebody would teach that. He loves you. And that will never change. And it's that love, that agape love, that motivates us to want to live a life worthy of our calling. 
It's not because he's walking around with a whip or a crowbar, just well, man, I'm right, man, eats it. And so, you know, we serve him out of this fear that he's going to beat us, you know, or kidnap our children, you know, and torture him. Or... It's this whole thought that, man, I am an object of his love, and he just loves me. Oh, man. It is an honor and a privilege to, to love him back and to serve him, you see. So in the midst of an ever-changing world or an ever-changing life or an ever-changing marriage, <laughs> these are three things that will never change. God never changes. God's word never changes. And God's love for you never changes. Never and you hang on to those things because a lot of stuff around you is going to change. It's going to change. It's going to happen. And you hang on to those truths and it will, I believe, make, it, make a difference in your life. Okay, this is what I want everybody to do. Everybody stand up. Over in the venue, I want you to stand up. And um, let me pray God's blessing on your lives, okay? Father, thank you, Lord, for um, all these people that are here over in the venue, watching online, whatever. And um, I, I've seen so many changes in my own life, in my own marriage, in my own family. It's unbelievable. I've watched over these 50-plus years that I've been alive my country change. I've watched my church change. I've watched my friends change. My jobs have changed. My responsibilities have changed. Change is just all around us. And it can mess us up if we don't have a grip on it. And so, Lord, would you help all of us, starting with me, to really get a handle on being content with where I am right now in the present. And I'm okay right now. God, help me to remain flexible. And may I always be a man who taps into the power of God in me so that I can be content and be flexible. And I pray that for my friends that are standing here over in the venue, whatever. Thank, thank you, Jesus, for just being really good. And I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. amen. All right, hey, Lord bless you, okay? Lord bless you.